0: Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Hello and welcome to our service today. And I'm glad you're joining us remotely, which is different than usual. But it's absolutely amazing that even though we are all uh, spread apart in different parts of this city, but also in the world across. I know I have family and friends uh, listening, but it's just amazing that we can still fellowship together this way. Just a couple of announcements before we start, uh, before I begin my message. Uh, First of all, I do want to say I want to thank everybody for their, uh, for your prayers and support as we take on this whole virus, uh, COVID-19 situation. And as we do our part in controlling the spread of this disease. Uh, again, a reminder is that we will not be having s- service in this building today or even next Sunday, which is the 29th and we won't have any midweek services. and I will keep you updated uh, on by the end of this week. So uh, keep following us on our church Facebook page, at church, Uh, website and also the RLC Family website, uh, uh, Facebook page, RLC Family Facebook page. We will be uh, streaming the messages and the Bible study on there. So follow along with that and uh, we'll send reminders out also via text messages. Uh, Secondly, uh, people have been asking about how uh, you can still give and this is the perfect time for you to uh, start giving online, I guess. It's it's called Rebel Give, and it's a free link that you'll see on our website. And uh, if you can click on that, especially if you connect it to your account or however it works, direct, whatever, it's free. But if you use a credit card, there is a small charge. But it's pretty easy to use, and if you have any problems or need some help with it, just let us know, and we'll get, Uh, we'll get in touch with you. Also, I know we normally have small groups uh, tonight, but uh, I'm going to leave it up to the discretion of the small group leaders. I know the recommendation is that shouldn't be more than groups of 10 right now in our area, and so it's totally up to the leaders, and I trust their wisdom uh, with this regard too, so uh, just exercise wisdom as we do that, but The main and the most important thing uh, that I want to share, please let me know if you need help. Uh, That is why we exist as a church. If you need help to make like a grocery run or someone to pick up prescriptions, please uh, do not hesitate to reach out to us. Again, we have people in the church who are able to and are willing to uh, help out. So if you need help, please let us know. Uh, let any in the leadership know, or you can message us on Facebook, or or just give me a call. And uh, the truth is, we are blessed to have uh, a really caring group of people, of believers in Radiant Life. And so, please do not hesitate to call us, and we will definitely do our very best uh, to help you all out. Anyway, this morning, uh, I just want to share what the Lord has laid on my heart, and Uh, Just to start off, I want to say that I have been in contact with several pastors and leaders in the district. And uh, it really is an amazing time and an opportunity for the church to show solidarity uh, and unity and also hold out hope to those outside the church. And talking to the board, uh, the board, uh, we had our meeting, and it was really a unanimous decision to close the building uh, down just for the safety of not just us but everybody who comes into the church. And we felt like it would be, it would really be the most responsible thing to do as the church. Again, we are not doing this out of fear, but we are doing this with prayer. We discussed it with uh, among each other, among the leadership, among different church. Uh, leaders around the area, and also definitely paying attention to what the healthcare professionals had to say. And I was uh, reading a post where someone was saying, uh, this is the time to practice civil disobedience, uh, where the church needs to do its own thing and not listen to the government. And I really wanted that person to read, uh, read Romans 13, and I didn't say anything. But, you know, we just, we abide by what, the, what they tell us. And what they recommend for us, and again this is this is not an easy decision, please understand this is not an easy decision and uh I was actually talking to Heather a couple of days back, and I was just talking about and telling her how hard it was uh, to cancel church, you know on a Sunday morning. never have I done it before, and it's never been done like this before but I was feeling, you know, I was like, man, this was, it was kind of like an odd feeling in my heart. But then I was reading a post by one of my former students who who pastors a church and how he and his wife and his parents have all tested positive for this virus. And he was talking about how his parents who are older, much older, are actually in a very serious condition. And And as I read that, I realized that I began to hurt for them too in terms of, you know, you realize that, you know, they are going through a hard time. And then I also was uh, about another friend of ours who had to cancel their whole wedding celebration. You know, and, and you realize that they had planned for this for a whole year. You know, the location, the the catering, and everything. Everything was planned out already, and then they had to cancel everything. And just... <coughs> Excuse me, man. And then they had to just, you know, do something really small with just the immediate his parents and his siblings. And you know, it just, you know, it puts things into perspective. And then you read all the stories about people who've lost loved ones in in such a serious way, and it just it puts things into perspective for me, at least, you know. And I realized that as much as I I I hurt with them, and we ought to empathize with those who are going through. A hard time, and please realize it's not just something I say for us to feel bad or feel sad about. The whole purpose of this is so that it moves us to prayer and to pray not just for the church, but to pray for people who have been affected by this. And it's kind of funny because I am uh, I I am in a group of different pastors, several pastors actually, uh, and one of the pastors was telling me about and. Uh, how about one of the members in his church actually uh, threatened to leave the church if they did not cancel the service. And another pastor in that group was talking about how a member of the church uh, threatened to withdraw his membership if they canceled church. And so, I mean, that's kind of silly for me. You can't make... You can't make everybody happy, first of all, and it's not the time to be arguing over stuff like this and make decisions as this. It's time to pray. That is the reason we exist as a church. One of the reasons is to pray. As a community of faith, we come together and pray. And, and my sermon this morning, actually, this week, actually kind of goes along with this whole purpose. And I had written the notes down for part of the sermon actually and I was planning to preach this after Easter on on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday actually and uh, I had put it aside but even as this week went on and I was thinking about what to speak on, uh, this kind of just the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me uh, back to this message and so turn with me in your Bibles uh, if you have your Bibles handy or on your phones or whatever, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. The Book of Acts, chapter two, and we're going to read from verses forty-two through forty-seven. And I've titled my sermon this morning, "The Everyday Church in Acts." Now, I have always been challenged uh, with the early church as such. Yes, they weren't perfect by by any stretch of the imagination. They had their own issues, but. As we come to the book of Acts especially in the beginning Acts chapter 2 gives us insight into the life of this early church and uh, I've titled my sermon like I said the everyday church in Acts and the idea here is what did the church look like in its early days I know we all we always hear the cliche the church is not a building and I know we've it's, we've heard a lot about it these past couple of weeks Uh, And we say this, and I guess this is a season where we really test whether what we're saying is really true. That the church is more than just a building. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 45 They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 46 Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. There's so much to really look at in these few verses. There really is a lot to look at. And the passage right before this is, is the most, one of the most famous passages and the stories we all know and we've heard about it's the whole idea of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down uh, in, in, in this form. And they started speaking in different tongues. And then, of course, we know uh, while they're doing this, Peter stands up. Everybody's amazed and some people are making fun of them. But Peter stands up and preaches a message. And it says that if you read the last verse right there in verse uh, forty-one. It says those who accepted the message were baptized, and about three thousand were added to the number that day. And so you see, just before this passage in verse forty-two, that three thousand people were added to the day. And I know in our NIV there's a there's a break in these verses, but verse forty-two actually follows verse forty-one really uh, really quickly. Actually, it says they were added. These 3,000 people were added to the day, to, uh, to their number that day. And then they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to, you have this passage that comes down. They, those who, another translation of course says, uh, those who accepted the message were baptized and 3,000 were added. And then verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayer. The first thing we need to see is this. They devoted. You're talking about how the church, what the church was all about. The first word I see that jumps out at me is the word "devoted." They devoted themselves. They were committed. That's the first characteristics of this church. They were faithful. They were not trying to figure it all out. They were not exploring their options. Uh, And I hear this so much from, especially from a lot of the younger people nowadays when I ask them uh, the question. And I ask them the question, what is it that is stopping you from following Christ? And many of them tell me where we are just exploring, exploring our options. You know, we're seeking the truth and that's a good answer for those who do not believe. But if you are a believer or claim to be a believer in Christ, you are committed. you are devoted. I mean I really I mean, there really is no other way to begin, really, when you begin your walk with Christ. Because if you say you are saved, it means that you are committed to Christ. Church, we know this already. there is no time. For part-time commitment. We know this already. It's either you are all in or you're nothing at all. Again, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect and have no doubts or have no questions. I'm not saying that at all. But get this right. They were committed. They devoted themselves. They were faithful. Main reason, and we struggle, the word commitment is such a struggle nowadays, especially because in the back of our minds, I don't, I don't like the idea of commitment because what if something doesn't live up to my expectations and how I want it to be? And I can't be committed because in my mind, at the back of my mind, I have this opt-out option. You know, I have this option where I can get out of this without feeling guilty. So I have this half-hearted commitment because I have the back door open so I can make my escape when things go the way I don't expect them to go. Church, really, that doesn't work when it comes to Christ. It's either all in or nothing. They devoted themselves and to what we'll be looking at pretty soon. But the word translated into devotion is not just a one-time decision. It's a continuous action as such. The New American Standard Version says they continually devoted themselves. It was a habit, it was a lifestyle, not just something they did one time. It wasn't a one-time decision. It wasn't based on how they felt at that moment, but it was something that they did all the time. They were devoted. Always. It was just it's it's an action that didn't stop. It was just a lifestyle. What did they devote themselves to? The First thing it says there is, is this. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Let me put it this way. The real church is devoted or committed to the word of God. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. A real church is a church that is completely committed to, involved in the study of biblical truth. It's actually pretty simple. We don't, uh, and this is the truth that has to be in our lives. We don't go by what someone says, whether it be me or any other person, even if they are behind the pulpit pulpit, what makes, you know, we take basically what is said and then we go and we say, okay, let's take this. And then we go to the word of God and see what the word of God says. Please do not do anything anyone says and do not take it as the truth just because they say, thus says the Lord. Take it to the scripture and see whether it stands, whether it stands the test of the word of God itself. That is the standard for truth. Just because they say, thus says the Lord, and if it doesn't match up with what the Lord says in the word, it isn't for you. It isn't for you. I know I used to say this earlier, and I forgot that I used to actually I say, don't go by saying, thus says the Lord. Go by, thus says the word, and build a life on that. I remember saying that earlier, and it just came back to me. What does the word say? And this is my, this is my biggest burden, and one of the main reasons I became a pastor and a teacher, and I do what I do is because I want to encourage people to devote themselves to studying the word of God. church. Sound, and use the word, another translation uses the word doctrine. Sound doctrine is everything. Sound doctrine is everything. A healthy church, a real church is committed to studying and teaching the scriptures. Yes, as as pastors, we, we teach from our learned experiences. We do do that all the time. But we can't always teach experiences. We need to teach the word of God. Again, like I said, it's not thus says the Lord. It's thus says the word. That's what I'm going to base my life on. The whole Bible, that is the source of truth. A real church, their real church is committed to studying that truth that is found in God's word. They devoted themselves. They were committed, one, to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. Number two, what else were they devoted to? They were devoted to fellowship, it says. Fellowship. And the Greek word koinonia, I mean, most of us or many of us have heard that word before. But that whole idea of fellowship implies togetherness, spiritual togetherness. The idea here is that church is a partnership. It's team, it's like a teammate, you know, it's like a partner who encourages one in you, who makes you do better. The early church, a real church, they were together, devoted to the apostles' teaching and were committed to fellowship. They were together, they weren't spectators, they were not, they were not part-time church people. They lived out their life in a wonderful, amazing kind of partnership with each other. And through this partnership, they grew together as the church. I know I've said this before, but please understand this a real church is not an event that people come to and watch, a real church is a fellowship. It is a fellowship. And one of the things we pastors have been talking about with all this coronavirus and canceling of, you know, those on-site services and how much we've been talking about this, how much of our identity as a church revolves around our building and our programs. We don't really think about it much. And then a time like this kind of forces us to see how much of our identity is wrapped around when we gather together and we have this, you know, this program together. The church is not an event. The church is not a building. It is a shared life. It's a practical, practicing fellowship of like-minded believers. Please. Please. Don't ever just let us. Uh, don't ever lim- limit church to the building that we gather in. You know, as members of Radiant Life Church, don't ever say that we are the church here in here in this place right here. Yes, we meet together in this building. But it's also the fellowship that we enjoy outside this physical building. It's a partnership where two, three, four, ten, it doesn't matter. We meet together. That, together, is the church. Of course, Hebrews, we know that in chapter 10, it tells us, do not forsake the assembling uh, together of people, you know, and that's where we encourage one another. But please understand, church is committed being committed to fellowship together. Please understand, that's the purpose of the spiritual grips, to be manifest in the church so that we build each other up. It is in the fellowship of each other that we really have, you know, we lo- the whole idea of loving one another, instructing one another, praying for one another, rebuking one another, encouraging one another. That's the whole point of fellowship. And a real church is devoted to the word of God and committed to fellowship. Fellowship with one another. They were devoted, verse 42 says, they were devo- they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the word of God to fellowship and connected to fellowship as this whole idea uh, is breaking of bread. They were committed to the breaking of bread. That's the third thing they were devoted to, to the breaking of bread. And this definitely includes and covers the, the Lord's table of our communion. Uh, the point where we remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, yes. But realize back then, before they had communion, they always gathered together and they had a meal together. And that meal, as they finished, it kind of, it kind of finished and at the end of it all together, they gathered together around and celebrated, if you want to say partook of communion, where they remember Jesus and the cross. They committed, committed to the word of God, committed to fellowship and this whole idea of breaking bread together. Now please understand again, do not limit, and we've talked about this in our Bible study uh, somewhere last year was when we did. We talked about not limiting our fellowship to the potlucks we have once in a while. We don't limit the fellowship to the breaking of bread and communion we have once a month. Because the real church, a real church, goes way beyond that. Because those are just symbols. What we do together is just a symbol, a celebration. What we do at the while we partake of communion is just a symbol, a celebration on the whole. But this just reflects what's been going on outside the building. It ought to reflect what happens outside the building. That's why we come together. They committed, they devoted themselves to the Word of God, which was the apostles' teaching. They committed themselves to fellowship. That's the gathering together, but the purpose of encouraging and, you know, each other, breaking of bread, where we celebrate uh, what has happened. And fourthly, it says they were devoted to prayer. There is this commitment of real church back then in the Acts, Acts chapter 2. That's the birth of this church right there. They committed to prayer. Prayer is something we can never have too much of. We can never have enough of it either. No matter how much you pray, you almost always feel guilty that you've never prayed enough. But the truth is, we can never have enough prayer. When they met together, they studied the scriptures, they fellowshiped together, they broke bread celebrating the togetherness. And they prayed together, corporately, coming together for the purpose of prayer. Again, not just in this building. That's the whole point. But whenever you meet together, they prayed together. It wasn't in a building as such. That's what a real church looks like. Two, three, four, ten. Doesn't matter the size. Hear me out here. Church was not, is not, and should never be reduced to just an event. Please realize, back then too, a church was not a place where there was this stage like we have today and a speaker got up and preached and taught with eloquent words. That was not what church was like back then. It was just a regular place where people of God who were genuinely committed Totally devoted themselves. They committed and were faithful to studying the word, to fellowship to uh, fellowshiping together, to breaking bread and to prayer. Now that was just verse 42. Like I said, there's a lot here. Verse 43, it's kind of interesting here. Verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders. And signs performed by the apostles. Now we need to really look at this a little closely here. I'm not going to spend too much time. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Who is it talking about when it says everyone? And who is, uh, who are the ones performing the miracles? The everyone includes, okay includes the church, which is the people who believed just in the previous verse that was there. These 3,000 people were added. They were definitely the ones there that were, everyone includes those believers, but it also includes the non-believers that were around there. And it says that they were all in awe. They were all filled with awe. And the word they use is phobos, which is phobia. We get the idea of fear, but it's not Fear, crippling fear. It's more the idea of being awestruck. And what are they awestruck by? The supernatural things that are happening at that time. Everyone, that's the, the believers and the non-believers that were gathered there, were filled with awe. And now, who is the one performing or who are the ones performing the miracles? It says here, the apostles were performing the miracles. The apostles were performing the miracles and it was uh, not just one miracle or two. I mean, there were many miracles and they were performed by the apostles. Now I know some people take that scripture to mean that after the apostles died, all the miracles stopped with them. All the signs and wonders ceased when the apostles passed away. Now, I, I do not, I do not subscribe to that school of thought because, uh, honestly, I have seen too much firsthand to deny that miracles happen today and can happen today. People will always try their best to, uh, to explain miracles as if it was nothing, and that's fine with them. They can, they can do it, but I believe in miracles that can happen and do happen today. Now you have that mindset on one hand where, you know, everything stopped with the age of the apostles. Now that's one extreme and then you have people on the other extremes. Here's the thing, we all agree that signs and wonders do not happen like, like, uh, like they did at the time of Jesus and, and uh, the time of the apostles. Now we know that doesn't happen that way, but that does not mean they do not happen at all right now. So that's the one side. Now the other side of this says this, the other extreme says this, that it must happen every time we get together. If it doesn't happen, there's something wrong. We throw that word around. You know, there is no anointing. Uh, That service is not anointed. That speaker is not anointed. I didn't feel the anointing. So what do they try and do? Because they don't feel it. They go running around after the feeling and the experience. Or worse, they try and create or recreate that feeling, manipulating things to make that feeling happen. Now that's the other extreme, church. And we can't do that. The need for the hour is balanced. We can't go one extreme or the other. We cannot make the mistake to say that, you know, it happened only back then. And we can't go the other end and say it has to happen every single time we get together. Please, we cannot make the mistake to make signs and wonders the only identifying mark of a real church. We cannot, I mean, we really, we sensationalize the anointing as such, and only if we see or feel that supernatural, and then we say, oh, this is a real spirit filled church. Let me say this the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders is not the main identifying mark of a real church. The supernatural move of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders is not the main identifying mark of a real church. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I believe in the supernatural and signs and wonders wholeheartedly, but we do not have to manufacture it. We don't have to force it, manipulate people to make it happen. Because honestly when it happens it's a beautiful thing and there will be no doubt that it is from God. We will know it is from God. It's like someone I was talking to just last week and he was saying it's like that whisper it doesn't have to be something spectacular and sensational. But if it does happen we will know It is from God. And I don't know about you, but I am. I'm ready for it. We all need to be ready for it. But please understand, it's something that we don't control. We don't control it. We don't create it. Because it is from God and God alone. And please understand, it's only part of our identity. Part of the identity. Of a real church. Let me say this because I've heard many people say when the Spirit is moving, then we will see the signs and the wonders, and then we will see the church grow. You know, when the Spirit moves and you see all these signs and wonders, and the church is going to grow. Now let's take what they say and like I said, let's go to the scriptures because Jesus says, right? By this will all men know that you are my disciples if there are signs and wonders. No, what does Jesus say? By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Don't get me wrong at all here, church, because I wish... And I pray for signs and wonders in our church. I believe in it wholeheartedly. And I pray. I pray for it consistently. But don't get me wrong here. Because it is. The signs and wonders are a very small part of church growth. And a small part of our identity As a real church. We just read the previous chapter. What does a real church look like? It is committed. A real church is committed to studying the scriptures. To seek the truth. Committed to genuine fellowship. Not just the potlucks. But a partnership to encourage one another. Breaking bread and praying together. Now add to that the signs and wonders. And now you're beginning to get a whole picture. Of what a real church looks like. Please do not. I think it's dishonoring to God to limit the move of the Holy Spirit to signs and wonders. The Spirit moves when we are committed to studying God's Word. The Spirit moves when we fellowship, genuinely fellowship with one another. When we break bread together, when we pray together, please do not limit the move of the Holy Spirit to something sensational that we all need to feel and see and experience. I really, hear me out here, there is so much I can say just about that one verse. The Holy Spirit will move, church, is moving. Everyone, it says verse 43. Here's the problem. Somehow we jump from verse 43, if you look in your Bibles. Verse 43, it says... Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And we jump from verse 43 to the last line in this chapter. And it says, and the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And somehow we get, you know, the signs and wonders. And then the last part, it says the number is being saved. The numbers are being added. There is something important we're missing. Don't forget that there are a few verses in between these two that identify what a real church looks like. Verse 44, let's run through this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You want another sign of a real church? A real church. What does that look like? All the believers were together and had everything in common. That doesn't mean they all dressed alike, ate the same food and everything else. No, they all weren't exactly the same. But what it's talking about is a sense of unity, togetherness. There's a sense of commonality that they all had. Well, yes, they had their differences, but they had a unity in purpose because they saw the bigger picture, And I think the bigger idea that it covers it all is a genuine love for each other. Because a unity can never be achieved unless there is genuine love for one another. That's the mark of a real church. It's unity. All that believed, all those who believed were together. Again, it's not talking about being in a commune somewhere. Not at all. It's talking about coming together, unity in purpose. When it says that they had all things in common, it simply means this: they held whatever they had in terms of possession. They held it so lightly that when someone had a need, they easily released it to them. That brings me to my second point and my next point about a mark of church. A mark of a real church is unity, but another mark of a real church is generosity. Verse 45, it says, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Yes, they had everything in common. It says they were together. Verse 45 says they started selling their property and possessions and were sharing them as anyone might have need. Again, this generosity it's talking about is not, okay, I have a hundred and I'm going to give my ten back. It's way beyond that because it's not talking about the tithe here. And I hope, I mean, I hope you all do that anyway. But it's not talking about the tithe. It's talking about genuine generosity. And I'll be honest, it's something I really love about our church, Radiant Life Church, is that we are a generous church. There's no doubt about it. The whole idea here, where it talks about, Sharing, the whole sharing again, the unity is motivated by love. The sharing, the generosity is also motivated by love. But it really comes, please understand, this generosity really comes from a deeper understanding that everything I have is not just for me. It's that deeper understanding. It's that revelation and that conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. That what I have isn't just for me. I am blessed to be a blessing. And when we, I know it's cliche, I'm blessed to be a blessing. But when the Spirit of the Lord takes that thought and brings it alive in our hearts and our minds, it is evidenced by our generosity. And that is an absolutely amazing thing to see when the Spirit moves in that way. Just that's the evidence of the Spirit moving, unity, generosity. And like I said, it's such a beautiful thing when you see it. You see the Spirit move in that way and it leaves you in awe, awe of God and the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Unity, generosity, verse 46, it says, every day they continued They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Again, they sold their possessions. They obviously didn't sell all their houses because they met together in their houses. So don't get that confused. But please understand that every day they met together in the temple courts. We're talking about unity. You're talking about togetherness. We're talking about generosity, and again, it's talking about fellowship, meeting together. They broke bread in their homes, ate together, and this is the point that I want to see the real church. They ate together, fellowship together with glad and sincere hearts. Glad and sincere hearts. The idea here is it's un. Cluttered heart. There is this joy that swells up when the Holy Spirit moves in your heart. There is this joy that just comes up. There is this, you develop a heart that is solely, uncluttered, totally given to God again. They broke bread, ate together with glad and sincere hearts doing what? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It's talking about fellowship and worship basically together right there. A real church knows to fellowship, but as they fellowship, they know what real worship is like too. Praising God. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It's amazing when a church gets together like this. Unity. Generosity. Real fellowship where they're caring for one another and then they're worshiping God together, praising God, praising God together. I know sometimes we, we set worship aside for just what we do when we sing, but please realize worship is very much part of our lifestyle, it's very much a part of what we do. As a church together in different places. We praise him and we thank him. And that is real worship. Please understand. In all those verses that describe the early church. There was nothing really spectacular. Flashy or you know something that was totally crazy and radical. And, and things like that. Nothing. But what made the church the real church, what made the church real was what they did on a day-to-day basis. The day-to-day basis, if you've ever read Ask Guinness, it's a book called The Call. I'd encourage you to read that when you have free time. He says the same thing about taking, worshipping God in the ordinary parts of life. What we would consider ordinary. That's how and that's how right at the end it ends. with, And the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. Please understand that is the end of everything that's happened before this. They were committed to the word of God. Committed to fellowship. Committed to breaking bread. Committed to prayer. They were united. This togetherness. There's this generosity. Yes, there are signs and wonders too. But it's when they did this together that's when it says the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Church, I don't know how else to, to encourage you. It is and it sounds so so simple and ordinary, where sometimes we have this whole idea that it has to be spectacular and sensational. But please don't go chasing after that. Very often it's that slow, steady commitment, faithfulness, obedience to the word that honors God. Fellowship, commitment to fellowship, encouraging one another, getting together, praying for one another, praying together. That is the secret of growth. That is the secret of growth. Let's bow our heads in prayer at this time. Father God, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word that is the truth. That is what we build our lives on. God, I know each and every one of us here, God, in this church desires for the church to grow. But in order for a church to grow, and really it's you who bring the growth. In order for the church to grow, we need to learn to be the church, the real church. A church that is committed, devoted, faithful to studying the scriptures, studying the word of God, studying and seeking the truth. A church that is committed, the real church that is committed to fellowshipping with one another, genuinely fellowshipping with one another. Yes, breaking bread, but also encouraging, rebuking if necessary, but urging one another in their pursuit of God and the truth. Celebrating together, breaking bread and in prayer, faithful in prayer, united, generous church that truly worships God. Signs and wonders will follow God. But we trust you for that. It's not something we do. I pray, God, that once again you take your word, God, and challenge us with it, God. Help us to be the church. Not just something we do here in this building. But help us to be the church. We give you praise. We give you glory, God, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. God bless you guys. I'm glad you could join us uh, this morning through our streaming. Uh, if you again, we want we welcome uh, any suggestion, comments, whatever you want to make. You can do that. But also, please uh, reach out to us if you need help. We are here as the church, to be the world church. And if you have a need, please let us know. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Uh, remember, we'll be back on Wednesday. It's on our Facebook page, our RLC family Facebook page, but also there's a connection to our, uh, on our main website too. God bless you guys. Amen.